hard decisions, decisions that require real, honest assessment of our roster. We talk about the goal being to win the Super Bowl, and we certainly thought that was the case in 2019. We're going to do everything we can to improve uh, our situation in 2020. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Everything's on the table to evaluate throughout our offense. Intercepted right off the bat Welcome in as Super Bowl week rolls on as we get closer and closer to the big game on Sunday. Back here on The Athletic, Hogan Johns with you, and we got Adam Johns back. What's up, Johnsy? I'm back, baby, but you're back from Miami. Yes. How was South Beach? How was your tan, my friend? Well, you know that uh, most of Super Bowl week is spent inside of a convention center. Um, but I did. I did think that I had a, a little bit of a tan, and and my wife just completely shot that down this morning when she saw me. So you did get some time on the beach. I'm glad to hear that. Well, very little. I would, but you know, our our, our friend Patrick Finley and I did have a nice romantic walk down the beach. <laughs> so yesterday. you go to Miami and you cheat on me with my former colleague. I see how it is. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? Yeah, he's still down there. He's still down there working. He, um, he's on the beach getting the tan with the, yeah. you know. Pat's a very big flip flop guy, yep. shorts guy. Grew up in in San Diego, so I'm sure he's feeling uh, very much at home. Now San Diego is a lot different than Miami, but I'm sure he's enjoying the the weather down there. Yeah. Um, well, I'm back in Chicago where it's uh, cloudy and will continue to be cloudy. Uh, maybe we'll see the sun by May or something like that. But uh, I did kind of feel like a Tesla or something down there where I, I just uh, could soak up every tiny ray of sunshine I could to recharge. I'm not really a Tesla. I'm more like a, like a, a hybrid Prius. But um, <laughs> Don't count yourself too short. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I get a little bit of vitamin D in me and recharge for another awful month of winter here in Chicago. But that's not uh, why we're here. Got plenty of content uh, to bring you from the Super Bowl down in Miami. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast earlier in the week. Unfortunately, um, because you weren't there, Johns, I just had to be me and a bunch of people uh, talking. But there was a lot of decent decent stuff in there, I thought. Um, And uh, we got more for you today because I had a conversation with Kyle Long and Alan Robinson. So we're going to bring that both into this podcast today. How was Radio Row? Uh, now, we, we've done a couple Super Bowls each in terms yeah. of coverage. You know, I was in Arizona, Miami, or not Miami, uh, New York. I did those. Um, I did the one in New Orleans not too long ago. Uh, you've done the past couple, even including mm-hmm. the one in, in Minneapolis. So how was Radio what, what What was the vibe like? Who was the biggest celebrity Celebrity? did you see, um, movie star or athlete, my friend? Oh, good question. Um, you know, our friend Mark Harmon interviewed Martha Stewart yesterday. I really? Don't, I don't know if that counts. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the Super Bowl week, and one of my favorite things is, you know, the access is crazy. They got media night. But Radio Row, I, I feel like that's really where – the the essence of coverage is because that's yeah. where all players from all sorts of different teams are, and then you have Martha freaking Stewart walking around <laughs> doing <laughs> interviews with Mark Carmen. Exactly, that's just fantastic. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I so she was definitely up there. Um, I saw Martellus Bennett yesterday. Marty, uh, yeah, he's still around. He's doing a lot of good stuff. Um, was he was he happy to see you? Yeah. Yeah, reminisce about some basketball games and things like that. Um, <laughs> no, it's good to see him, and I don't, I don't know. It's just it's 
It, it, it's a busy, crazy week, and it can kind of overwhelm you. The nice thing about being in Miami is that you could actually walk outside if you wanted and kind of take a breather. You couldn't really do that in Minnesota where it was negative five degrees outside. No, yeah. no, no. You just get stuck in a convention center. You, you got... Yes. Uh, you ran into, I believe, Pat O'Donnell and Eddie Pinheiro, right? They're yeah. like a tandem down there. Um, yeah, so they were both down there separately, but when uh, I got in contact with the people I needed to talk to about getting them out, I wanted to get them out together. I just figured we, since they're both down there, let's do it together. So um, managed to do that. We had that on the podcast earlier in the week, and um, if you missed that, you can go back and find... Um, the very loaded episode. That was a long episode, but there was a, a, a lot of interviews in there. Dave Tobe, Robbie Gold, a very special team. See, I you, you get away from me, Johns, for one episode, and I go straight special teams, like the whole episode. <laughs> Hashtag very special teams all yeah. day, baby. You did go quite heavy on you know yeah. Robbie Gold was on your show. You, you did a fine job, my friend. Radio Row requires a lot of hustle. I think yeah. people need to realize that because it is an enormous place. Takes up a full thro- like full th- uh, floor of a convention center, and you got stations from all over the country, all over all over the world, really. And there's celebrity, there's football player after football player from different generations. So, congrats to you again, my friend, and another uh, successful run at Radio Row. Well, I'll tell you what the biggest thing in Miami, the best part, uh, and the biggest thing I learned: cafecito, cafecito is Cuban espresso. And um, I'm not... I, I, I really try hard and hard to never complain about this job. So I'm not going to get into the awful transportation situation or the l- a tremendous lack of food uh, for whatever reason at this Super Bowl when usually they like overfeed us. There was like nothing. Um, so I'm not going to complain about that, but what I am going to say is the one thing they did have at the convention center right outside Radio Row all week long was this Cuban coffee company set up with little samples of cafecito out there. So it was impossible to really run out of energy. And as you just mentioned, the amount of hustle it takes at Radio Row, how important that was, um, was big. This stuff, I'm telling you, Johnsy, is the HGH for sports writers. <laughs> Was it good? What's the difference between a regular Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks coffee? Well, it's uh, it's like a very sweet espresso. It's hard to explain, okay. but you, as soon as you take it, instead of like a bitter espresso, it's very sweet. It's it's it tastes like completely different. And I don't know if it has more caffeine in, or if it's just the sugar. I don't know. But on uh, Wednesday night, I think it was, I was out to dinner at a Cuban restaurant with Mark Carmen and, and some great people over at the fan side that I see every year um, at the Super Bowl. And they have a bakery there. And so we went to the bakery for dessert afterward. And I, all I, really, I knew I wanted to get some work done when I got back to the hotel. So I just got cafecito. That's all I got. Got back to the hotel, planned on, on transcribing for about an hour and then writing in the morning when I woke up. Next thing I knew, it was 2 a.m., and I had just written 2,500 words on Kyle Long. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. The, the HGH factor, huh? It's the HGH for sports writers. It's amazing. It's amazing. Cafecito. Um, <laughs> How many did you have overall? Whew, 10. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Too much. Hey, how was the media party, by the way? Um... It wasn't anything – look, the best media party ever was at the Mall of America two years ago because they had all the rides open for us, and it wasn't busy because all it was was the media. And so you go on any ride. That was the best one. Um, this was the, – the, the perk about this one was that half of it was outside. So just to be outside in January in the evening, it overlooked uh, downtown Miami, which was nice. Uh, but uh, you know, it was it, otherwise it was good. I'm, it, it was fine, um, but it was just nice to be outside. Yeah, good. The, the best one that I went to was in New Orleans, where you you'd walk in and they had that like very vintage New Orleans, New Orleans like um, uh, music, where yeah. you had this huge band. You had people all dressed up. There was gumbo. There was uh, like crawfish. There was just very New Orleans like food everywhere. That was the best one. Of course, the booze were flowing. New York was okay because it's New York. But yeah. the media party, 
is an essential part to covering uh, the Super Bowl, I yeah. think. Yeah, absolutely. And media night, too, on Monday night, which was at the Marlins Stadium. That was kind of cool being there. Um, kind of weird to have it in such a big stadium, but they blocked off most of it and made it more intimate. Uh, so, it was, you know, it's, it's always cool to see a different stadium. All right. What I want to do here, though, um, you may have seen the story I wrote on Kyle Long, the one I, I referenced. You can find that on WGNRadio.com. And real quickly, before I forget, I want to plug that um, we have more than what you're just going to hear in this podcast and what you heard on Tuesday. The two of us are hosting live on WGN Radio on Sunday leading up to the Super Bowl, 1 to 5 p.m. Central Time. So if you're in Chicago, you can hear it on 720 a.m. If you're not in Chicago, you can stream it, WGNRadio.com, uh, the WGN Radio app. So and uh, on tune into how you know you can stream a radio pretty easily. So you can hear us leading up to the game, but um, yeah, obviously you got to listen live. It's basically a pregame show leading up to the game. But we're gonna have more too. Uh, I got some things that I recorded from Radio Row that we'll bring you uh, on Sunday as well. But the story on Kyle Long detailing some of the injuries that he's been through. Um, Really, I think it just kind of puts it in perspective on everything that Kyle Long was battling and how much he really gave the Bears. Uh, I I think unfair. I mean, certainly the injuries are part of his career, so he's going to get the label of injury prone. But I think it's a little unfair to use that when you hear everything he was really battling. Um, So you can find the story on WGNRadio.com, but I wanted to bring you the audio, the full interview with Kyle Long. If you listen to Tuesday's episode, you heard Howie Long, his dad, go through some of this. But here's Kyle's perspective um, as I I had a a long chat with him uh, about his decision to retire and, and the things that he was going through. So here's Kyle Long on Radio Row this week. All right, you know this guy very well, and it's good to see him again and talk to him uh, after Kyle, I guess, left right in the middle of the season a little bit. It was uh, it was weird, dude. We, we You're in London, there's a bye week, and then I didn't see you the rest of the season. Yeah, it was just as weird for me than it, you know, than it was for you. I just remember played the game, did not play well. We did not win. It was a long flight home, and I sat right across from Nagy. <laughs> And it was clear to me that there were going to be changes made. And I remember being there on Monday when we, because we got back and then we had our players meeting with the coaches. And it was clear to me that changes were going to be made. So it's funny you say that because Nagy had his uh, press conference in London that morning you guys flew out. And you could just tell on his face. He hadn't slept, wasn't happy. We asked about the offensive line, and he basically said, we're going to look at everything and probably make changes. But, you know, you're as a reporter, you're looking up and down, and you're going, well, what what possible changes could there be unless, honestly, this is, these were the discussions we had. If Kyle's not healthy, is that a possible move? Now, I didn't necessarily foresee them putting you on IR, but what can you tell us now about what was going on, what you were dealing with, and why that's how it played uh, out? I had a torn groin week two against the Broncos. So you were playing through that. And I asked the staff, I said, I need to get, I'm going to get images, just tell me how bad it is. And they said, well, the good news is it's not torn off the bone. I said, cool. <laughs> And I tried to play with it, and I thought I could, and it got progressively worse. Um, it would be like trying to run with a hip flexor strain. It just got worse and worse and worse, and eventually it came to a head in the Raiders game. I couldn't do much. I wasn't powerful. Like, you, you could turn on the film for many years and be like, even if he's not healthy, he's powerful. Yep. I lost all my power. Um, at a certain point, you just say, do I like the guy that I'm showing on film? Do I like the teammate that I am to my teammates? And does Mitch trust me? That doesn't make me a bad guy. No. It just means I can't do my job. And it, it takes some wherewithal to say, okay, the writing's on the wall. I get it. Now, credit to the Bears, because I've been on IR the last four years. I played my balls off for them for as long as I could until I couldn't anymore. But the Bears did right by me, by not cutting me, by not trading me, because I've always said I'm a one-team player, and being a Chicago Bear is what makes me me. And I love that about Chicago. Well, I was going to ask you why it was so important for you to retire as a bear 
I'm sure you would have had opportunities to at least a minimum join a team this offseason and make a team. But you seem content that you can step away, find something else to do in your life. I'm sure you're not going to leave football. Yeah, I could have been in some warmer cities playing next <laughs> yeah. year and probably been able to miss camp and miss OTAs, like get some of the cool vet perks. Yeah. But I don't want to do that. Some of my best memories are from Bourbon A, squaring off against Akeem Hicks. Squaring off against you guys had Jeremiah Ratliff. Oh, man. Squaring off against you name it. Um these were the situations that made me a man and now I can call Akeem and we can laugh about that stuff and that's the most important thing in my life is those relationships whether him and I know it now the battles we had in Bourbonnet and the battles we had at Hallis Hall or whatever they carve out who you are for the rest of your life and that's the amazing thing about football you can't do it forever no (laughs) um Unfortunately, it seemed like you could have done it a lot longer if not for everything you just talked about, the injuries you battled. I, t- I talked to your dad yesterday. Uh, didn't know. Which I haven't listened to yet, but I yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. Our listeners, if they heard it or listened to our podcast, they've heard it. He was great. I honestly didn't know what to expect. Go figure. He does okay on radio, <laughs> <He> too. <does. laughs> I know, but I don't think I've ever talked to him in yeah, an interview. He's pretty chill. Before. He was, and I just threw him you know, a question about you. Didn't really. And the way he detailed. All the stuff you went through, especially the neck, he, he the stuff that I try to men and black myself yeah. of, like the the flash in front of my eyes to forget everything. Because yeah. you know, if you talk to Evil Knievel in his heyday, they're not going to say what about that crash. Yeah, they're going to say how far are you jumping next week. Dad remembers all the crashes. Well, he and he said, "I look, I was there in the surgery rooms." And and look, I, I, just to get personal for a second, the one thing I in this job have come to appreciate the most in those NFL locker rooms is what you got are really dealing with because A, the teams don't want to talk about it. If it wasn't for the injury report, we probably wouldn't hear about half that stuff. And you guys don't want to talk about it either because A, you don't want to make excuses and B, you know, having a long injury history doesn't you help you. You got an injury prone tag yeah, next Exactly. Year. So it's tough for us to always kind of relay to the fans that, hey, if a guy's not playing well, there's probably a good reason behind it, especially if he has a track record like you did, three Pro Bowls and having the history of being a good player. But anyway, just hearing your dad talk about all that stuff and what you're battling, I, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not. Sounds I'm like down you, for whatever. I'm at peace with everything. Well, so. here's the one thing I always wanted to ask you about because you've mentioned it in the past, but the surgery where you ended up throwing up a ton afterwards. My ankle. Okay. When I blew out my ankle, I knew I was on the downhill. Um, it was... It was that ankle injury was worse than anybody knows. Yeah. Uh, the guy who did my surgery told me I'd probably never play again. Um, and I told him, "Watch me." <laughs> and it was funny because that year that doctor ended up going up and getting an office at the Packers facility. He's a spe- he's a okay. an- foot and ankle specialist. He's not a Packer fan, but they hired the best. And so I would have to go up to Green Bay to meet with him in a third-party office. And I remember him telling me, "I don't." He was the guy who inspected my ankle at the combine. Okay. So he's seen me since I was 22. And so you had to go to Green Bay to see him. That's yeah. An interesting twist. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, this was while I was in recovery from right, the ankle. Yeah. He was in Charlotte when I got surgery. Uh, Doctor Anderson, great guy, great doc. He worked miracles on my ankle, to be honest. And I can do things now that I never thought I'd be able to do after that. But playing football was not the best thing for it. You know what's crazy about that is I still, you know, a lot of times guys suffer a bad injury in a game and we don't see them in the locker room. I still to this day have this vivid memory of you sitting there in the locker room with your ankle. Is this right? Or am I thinking of a different game? No, I'm pretty sure this was in Tampa. So in Tampa. you were sitting there and you're kind of laughing about it almost. And... That's, well, I mean, you gotta, that just shows you, you how tough you were. So you got to think about the number. Like, I'll put it into, like, the guys who clear rooms in the military. Yeah. And who are the best at it. They may clear 150 rooms clean, but the 151st one, there was something maybe they didn't see and something goes wrong. Luckily, in the NFL, it's not a life and death scenario. I think part of me laughing that day was understanding how lucky I was and how many rooms I cleared at a high level before before I stepped on a landmine. 
Well, um, it, it's it's amazing what you went through, and it's it's good to see you here. You look great, by the way. Thank you. Although your dad said you're a 290, is that accurate? You, you know, even below that. I think he's uh, <laughs> I think he's getting up there. How you doing, man? I think he's getting up there, and his maybe his weight uh, guessing is off. All right, fair enough. Uh, what do you what do you want to do? What plans? I don't know. Are you you want to stay in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be definitely. I'm a one. I'm no idiot. I'm a one team player. Okay. I'm no idiot. I know to st- I know to stay in Chicago. Um, you don't want to go to Nashville and join Cuddy's reality TV show. I can maybe try to get Cuddy on a radio show in Chicago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's so many tremendous folks like yourself within the community and the media community in Chicago who have reached out, and obviously we all, we have all had great relationships over the last seven years. And it's something that I knew never burn bridges because you never know when somebody could be the guy that you may need help from, and. Uh, uh, it's amazing. You treat people the right way, and then opportunities come just flowing in the front door. Like, where the hell did this come from? Yeah, well, I mean, look, you're always there to talk, even through all the tough times, and we always appreciated that. Um, let me turn you in a, into an analyst real quick. Direction of the Bears right now. It seems like I, I can't – I mean, you see it on social media and everything. It, it's like the city's on fire right now, and sometimes I kind of – be therapeutic and tell fans hey look look it wasn't a great season but there's still a lot of good pieces in place here to turn this thing around next year uh two years ago when we had tremendous success and we went to the wild card Mm -hmm. it was a very similar team as we had this past year health and the running game yeah those are the two things that separated the seasons now people want to place the blame on matt or they want to place the blame on Mitch. And that's unfair because there's so many people on the field that dictate how the game ends up. I think if you draft early and invest in, in early picks on the offensive and defensive line, you'll never go wrong. Yeah. Well, so last thing for you then, because that's the hardest thing I've – the hardest question I keep getting is what happened with the running game? Is the best answer all of the above? All of the above. Scheme assignments. I would say scheme is not the issue. Okay. We, as football players, we're told what to do and we're asked to execute. And if you don't execute, everybody looks bad because of it. And if one of the four, one of the five guys isn't executing, me for example, if I'm not playing the ball that I'm capable of playing, it drags everybody else down. Like they say, rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. That's how an offensive line works. If we that do well, like a John Fox line. Everybody that. else. <laughs> I love John Fox. Everybody <laughs> else does well when the offensive line does well. And you look around the playoffs, and you look at Super Bowl Sunday, and what do these two groups have in common? Great O lines. Well, uh, real quick. You're here with Gillette, Walgreens. Gillette and Walgreens have partnered and allowed me to come to Radio Row. Just essentially talking about skincare, man. I don't have a helmet on anymore, so I need to be more in tune with how I look. First presentation, as opposed to what I look like on film. Uh, so shaving, keeping my head clean, and my beard trimmed up is big. Uh, through February, they're gonna have buy one get one fifty percent off select shave products, as well as four dollar coupons for razors. So go to Walgreens.com or check out your local Walgreens for more information. Kyle, it's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, thanks a lot, Adam. See, I. And you used the word injury prone as we got in, into the interview there, Adam, and you did a, a fine job uh, talking to him and getting a lot out of him. Um, the, like, I don't like using it for him because his injuries were just so serious. Yeah. Like he was saying with, with, his, with his ankle injury, the doctor, I love the detail about having to go to Green Bay, by the way, like the doctor was telling him that he might not be able to play again. That's not like a normal pulled hamstring. That's not dealing with bumps and bruises and, and, you know, always groin pulls. It's not like what Trey Burton's dealing with. Like, that is – it's alarming. That That's a, a major deal to get through. And, look, I think we knew it then. Like, we were in the locker room. We saw his ankle. It was like purple. Remember that, Adam? Yeah. It was like purple. Yeah. It was gross. You know, it was like purple, red, all sorts of different colors. And to, to hear what he, what he went through and then, he, you know, he, he got sick with the medicine and all that stuff afterward – that's a lot to get through for forget a professional athlete like a human being. So I, part of me is almost is compassionate. The right word for this, absolutely. You know, to, to, if we're talking about the end of Kyle Long's playing career, the guy was just ravaged by serious injuries, and like he got injured on a 
what was it like a trick play to Paul Lasicki? It's just you know, it's just really unfortunate how things had to end for him here in Chicago. Well, I and mean, if you go back to 2016, and I detailed it in my story how we talked about it on Tuesday's podcast. Uh, the practices they had in New England uh, in the preseason, and to hear that Bill Belichick kind of went out of his way to tell Howie Long how special Kyle Long was and that he might be the best guard in football. That was the career track. And the perhaps the most stunning thing was Howie saying his response to Bill Belichick was, well, he doesn't even know what he's doing yet. This, I, I, this guy was on track to become one of the all-time great Bears offensive linemen. And I think some people forget, as bad as the Bears were, he kind of was the face of the franchise at the time. It was very common to see 75 jerseys at Soldier Field. And we used to always kind of say, as good as Kyle Long is, you don't want the right guard to be the face of the franchise. Um, and, and unfortunately, it all changed with that injury in Tampa. From that point on, the following year, three separate surgeries, um, and, and, and honestly, when you hear all that now, you almost you couldn't blame the guy if he had hung it up going into 2018. But he was still out there, ready to go in Week One. And then the other uh, the other detail is just kind of what happened this year with the fact that Kyle Long actually tore his groin in Week Two and was trying to play through that. Um, That's and, news. And, and eventually. You know, the team was calling it a hip injury because it was impacting his hip flexor. So, and they weren't, I don't, I'm not sure everybody knew the extent of of what he was playing through. And he's trying to gut it out because he had been on IR three years in a row, did not want to go on IR for the fourth year in a row. And and, and so this is something that Kyle should be commended for. The fans that unfortunately have criticized him for just being so injury prone like you said it's not really fair and there should be some level of compassion here and understanding for how much Kyle went through and how much he was really playing through stuff he played through the neck injury for a whole year that was a neck fusion surgery he had he's an offensive lineman banging his head play after play after play that is a serious injury and he's playing through it so um, I just think it's important for everybody as Kyle Long goes into retirement to really understand what that dude was trying to give to his team and in Chicago, even though it wasn't perfect and he made mistakes and you know the swinging of the helmet this year was obviously ridiculous. Um, but th- this was really the true story of Kyle Long. Yeah, yeah. Look, fights happen. I know that was a bit egregious, but you talked to some of these 85 guys. Heck, some of these 63 guys were talking about the Bears championship teams. There was fights. There was a level of nastiness. And in a lot of respects, Kyle Long was a chip off the old block of, of that nastiness. And that's what made him so valuable. You know, bringing it in could be a problem sometimes. But at the same time, you want it all out there uh, on Sundays. You needed that to protect your quarterback. People always talk about how organizations fail quarterbacks and I think that's so true just because of the changes affect them more than others too but like look at Kyle Long's career here drafted by Mark Tressman and Phil Emery had Aaron Cromer then you had that debacle where he's throwing his quarterback under the bus then you have what Dave Magazoo I'm trying to name of all the offensive line coaches Dave Magazoo that that he had (laughs) who was the big guy from Miami that they had for a year Come on. Oh, uh, Jeremiah Washburn. Jeremiah Washburn yep. was here. Then you got Harry Heastan, who's here. So Harry Heastan's getting him at the end of his career. I feel like there's somebody else in there we're missing. You just had so much change, so much change, so many different methods, so much different different practice goals. We saw their drills actually change, literally change from coach to coach to coach. That lack of continuity, that affects everybody, not just your quarterback. That affects everybody. That, that affects your first-round pick. And Kyle Long, was he, 2014, right? That affects your first-round pick, who is a pro bowler in his first three years. That changes him, too, as, as well. So he got caught up in the wash, just like a lot of different players did. Uh, when you went from you know, Tressman to Fox to, 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 to Nagy here. So, you know, I listened to a few of his interviews down in, in Miami, and he kept saying, I'm, I'm always going to be a bear. I'm going to be a loyal you know, loyal to the Bears. But at the same time, you know, you can understand why a guy doesn't want to be because of all the changes he went through in the organization. So, again, another thing to give him a thumbs up about. It, 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 his message down there, I think, resonated 
just the, the way he wanted to, to come across and his maybe his endearment, just the way he likes, loves the Bears organization, despite everything he went through. Well, and especially after all that, I mean, he kind of forced to leave the building when, when it was all said and done. I mean, that's something that a, a player could hold gr- a, a grudge over. And not only does he not hold a grudge, but when we got into some of the discussion about what went wrong last season offensively, he was there defending Nagy, defending the scheme, and really putting the onus on the players, including himself in the games that he played, for the lack of execution. Um, and, and so, you know, that kind of resonated with me too, that, you know, here's here's somebody who's no longer playing there, who easily, that you know, that's sometimes when you hear the true feelings uh, if players are upset with the coaching staff. And nope, still, I mean, seems to think Nagy's the, you know, it's not the scheme. They can fix this. And he, but he likes to hire of Juan Castillo, too. Um, and really, as you heard him say there, too, invest in the offensive and defensive lines in the draft. He, he thinks that's a big thing. So kind of turning into an analyst quickly. And I think Kyle Long can, can do some media if he wants to. Yeah, it'll be quite natural for him. One, one final thought, because I know you want to get to Allen Robinson here. Like those guys from the Lovey Smith team, like they would hold teammates in such high regard if they kept things in house, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they, no one, you know, aired their dirty laundry to the media. Now he, he had some things come up and he had some stories come up, but for the most part, they really respected teammates that didn't throw all their teammates under the bus publicly. Like even Cutler did that quite well, would never really throw anybody under the bus publicly. You know, Kyle Long is a chip off that old block too. For as many times. As, as he's been interviewed through testy situations, uh, he has never really just gone and ripped the the team, his teammates to shreds, even though it's not it had been his fault. You know, like he was always Jay's guy. As, as many times as Jay struggled, he would never take the bait and rip Jay Cutler. As uh, much as Mitch Trubisky has struggled, would never rip Mitch Trubisky. Just he's just a team guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that continued uh, in this interview too. So. Um, no, that's all. That's all a good point. Um, all right, yeah. As you mentioned, also caught up with Allen Robinson down in Miami. He's there as the Bears nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which will be handed out on Saturday at the NFL Honors. Uh, Allen Robinson also earned the Good Guy Award from the media this year. He's always there, uh, as Kyle Long was throughout his career, to to. Uh, you know, address things when things aren't going well. Allen Robinson was there every single week and uh, with his charitable efforts too, the Bears nominee for the Man of the Year Award. So here is my conversation with Allen Robinson on Radio Row. Well, familiar Bears face here on Radio Row in Miami as uh, we catch up with Allen Robinson, the Bears' uh, talented wide receiver and nominee for Man of the Year this year. And, and that's what uh, the main thing you're in town for. Definitely. Uh, what an honor that is. And and just your thoughts on, on being the Bears nominee yeah, this year and uh, what that means to you. It's a huge honor. You know, it's something that you really um, – aspire for when you start a foundation you know is to is to be able to have an impact in the community where you're able to get acknowledged for you know but again for me you know i'm i'm very much um the figurehead of of uh, all the work don't get me wrong i put in a lot of work myself you know but it's a true testament to the city of chicago you know being able to to help support our foundation you know via um, via retweets via social media via coming out to the galas via supporting through uh donating you know it, it's a true testament of having the support of chicago and also the support of my board you know being able to 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 have them lay out some of the groundwork for us and to actually see it see it come through you know so again I mean I can't just take credit for this myself you know we've had a ton of support from the city of Chicago and I greatly appreciate it and I look forward to you know being able to enhance what we're doing in the city of Chicago and for our listeners who maybe don't know what type of things does your foundation focus on in Chicago yeah so right now we're we're focusing on the education of the youth you know um in the in the uh, inner cities you know because for us you know um it's a statistic it's a, a statistic out as far as third grade reading level and that's when they kind of predict you know the the number of uh prisons and things like that, that that they'll have to start to build and and space that they'll create based on third grade reading levels you know so right now what we're trying to do is we're trying to implement um uh, reading rooms inside the boys and 
and Girls Club. You know, right now we have one. You know, so this year, um, I'm we're hoping to get our second and third. You know, um, rooms. You know, so it's been an exciting journey. You know, again, I mean, we started the journey four years ago. You know, so now being able to see, you know, how far it has come and actually getting those, getting that reading room, the first inaugural reading room in. You know, and now moving on to possibly two and three and continuing to do more in the community. Well, it's uh, great stuff. And um, Alan Robinson here on Radio Row. As we get ready for the Super Bowl this week, um, w- what's it like for you to come down to these? I'm sure you'd, you'd much rather be yeah, playing. Yeah, definitely, in it. definitely. Um, it's a you know it's, it's it's always so crazy and so busy. You know, I, you would much rather just be kind of you know game playing in the meeting room right now. As crazy as that may sound, getting ready to play on Sunday, but rather be in practice. Most definitely, yeah. I even was you know a little bit jealous seeing seeing the teams. They had some clips of seeing them practicing. You know, in the sun and you know in the warm weather. You know, getting ready for the game. You know. And I know that that has to be a special feeling for those guys, you know. And I mean, again, I mean, they, these, these two teams have put in the worst, the uh, most work to be able to get there, you know. So for us, you know, again, we're trying to play catch up, you know, and we're trying to, and we're trying to put ourselves in this position come next year. Well, I know the focus right now for the Bears and Matt Nagy is, is to fix what went wrong last season, especially on offense. Um, I had a chance to talk to Kyle Long for a long time yesterday, and he kind of simplified it down to health and the running game. Most definitely. I think I think health is a big factor in it all. You know, again, like I said before, for us, just seeing, you know, we rotated a decent amount of tight ends throughout the yeah. course of the offense. Yeah. I mean, in the offense throughout the course of the year. You know, seeing how much, you know, JP and uh, Jesper came in and played for us and both of those, well, uh, Jesper was banged up in preseason, played in a couple preseason games, but JP wasn't with us at all in preseason. You know, so he's learning everything on the fly. He came in and did a heck of a job, I will say that, you know, and, and being able to you know Taylor Gabriel, him being banged up for for five games. You know, uh, um, uh, Mitch missing a couple games. You know, Bobby Massey missing some games. You know, so we had a lot of guys. Kyle Long. You know, yep. we had a lot of guys banged up. You know, when you look at you know the the team that we had to start training camp on offense to who we finished our last game with. You know, is I maybe would say three or four players or maybe five players played the entire season on our on our offense you know and again when you have years like that you know sometimes it is tough and some of the some of the continuity is you know tough to always be consistent when you have so many moving pieces you know and guys coming in and out of the lineup and things like that so it's tough you know it's not an excuse you know but I think as far as us battling and and finishing eight and eight you know I think it's a true testament to everybody that was stepping out on that field you know no matter what the role is. Well, and hearing you talk about the tight end position, it's nothing against the guys that you had, but in the context of this Super Bowl on Sunday, when you got guys like Travis Kelsey and and George Kittle who command the attention of the defense, and I know Matt Nagy uses the term adjuster a lot, and helping the quarterback identify man's own pre-snap just based on how they're covering dynamic, proven tight ends like that, I I, I think when you look at it, that, that was something that really hurt you guys this season. Yeah, you know, again, that's again, that's tough to say. You know, we had a lot of things that we, you know, didn't that we weren't really in tune with, and that we didn't, you know, um, particularly execute our best with. But you know, at the same time, again, when you're missing when you're missing playmakers, it's always tough. Right. You know, again, I mean, we saw you know the the plays that Trey made in uh, what was that 2018. You know, again, he made he made a lot of big plays for us. You know, so I mean, when you're missing a playmaker like that, you know, also missing some speed on the field like Taylor, you know, um, it. It makes it makes defenses, you know, play you a little bit different, you know. So again, like I said before, when you're missing guys, it always makes it more tough. What do you know about Bill Lazor and John DeFilippo, who Nagy brought in? I don't know too too much about those guys, um, to be to be quite honest. You know, I mean, I know they have experience in the league, you know, and that's and that's definitely always a plus, you know. But um, but other than that, I don't know too much, you know. But I'm definitely looking forward to working with those guys. Well, you certainly know about Dave Ragone, and he was promoted to passing game coordinator, kind of creating a, a sort of a different structure under Matt Nagy. He's obviously still calling the plays, but um, what what have you come to appreciate about Ragone that earned that that promotion yeah. and any idea? 
idea? Can you even explain kind of what that means, passing game coordinator? Yeah, um, to be honest, I, I can't, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, I can definitely understand, you know, why. You know, Coach Coach Rags is a fiery guy who has been with us now, you know, since I've been there and even before that, you know, when he's one of those guys who, who is a very competitive coach himself, you know, and those are the kind of coaches that you want, you know, um, around your offense is guys who are, who are obsessed and who are very competitive and fiery into getting the job done. You know, that's what you want. You know, like guys like him, guys like Coach Furry, you know, guys that are going to push each and everybody in that offensive room to be the best players that they can be each and every day they come to work. What kind of plans do you have this offseason in it, whether it's working with Mitch closely or just continuing yeah. that chemistry you guys yeah, have? Yeah, so so for, so for it's definitely, um, you know, we're just trying to figure that out. You know, I know that he had um, he had shoulder shoulder surgery, yep. um, I believe, you know, so I know that that's probably going to take some time to, to heal, you know, so I'm not sure in his first kind of off offseason setting, you know, when we'll be able to, to get together, but, um, you know, we're definitely going to find time, and again, that's also me and the other receivers as well, you know, um, like I said, for myself, you know, I typically train in New York for this first offseason with some of my trainers, and then for the second offseason before training camp, I train down down in South Florida, you know, so, um, it's, and, and, um, and uh, for myself, you know, both of those are, are definitely two very good competitive, you know, um, competitive working environments you know so again we're getting a lot of work done and and i'm sure that us us and and the quarterback and the receivers will all link up at some point talking to alan robinson and i think my favorite thing uh, about when you look you up like on nfl.com or something you get reminded every time you're still only 26 years yeah, old yeah yeah definitely and, and, I actually and saw, you are a seasoned I veteran for, it was i forget what what receiver it was it was a receiver who was uh, i forget what year they came in but they were saying that he was older than me you know and i yeah. always find it funny because people always say the same thing when they when they find out that i'm only 26 years old well you signed the three-year deal with the bears coming off the injury Probably knowing you're still you're still gonna be young when you yeah. get to that next yeah. contract. Now you got a year left. Interesting times in the NFL. I don't know if you're one of those players that you keep tabs on the CBA and stuff like that closely, but that is. A I huge leave that to my agent. Yeah, I leave that to my agent. <laughs> well, some guys like to get involved yeah. with that. Some yeah. guys don't. Um, but. It, is that a part of the equation here in the offseason? As I'm sure you, you'd probably love to remain a Bear and the Bears would most love to keep you. Most definitely. You know, I, I said when I first signed, you know, with the Bears that I wanted to retire the Bear. I wanted to uh, retire a Bear, you know, and that has never uh, changed or wavered. You know, so again, like I said before, you know, I know that there's a lot that goes into, you know, getting extension done and things like that, especially with me having one year left on my contract, you know. So, um, um, you know, it's a lot that has to, you know, it's a lot that has to go on, you know, which I understand. You know, I understand the nature of the business, you know, and that's from both sides from players and from uh, management you know I I understand it all you know so again I mean for me you know I'm just I'm just talking to my agent when anything comes up you know but again I mean for me I'm just attacking it like I would you know any other year you know I mean it's a contract year you know so again just trying to continue to prepare myself and get ready to go you know again that's I mean all I know is that I'll, I'll be a bear you know for this 2020 season you know and that's what I'm preparing for you know I'm preparing to go out there you know play hard play with my teammates you know and go out there and have fun you know because everything else pretty much is out of my control solely you know I understand that it, that it takes two parties and that you know everything like that but you know right now where I'm at you know it's just it's just controlling what I can control you know and that's being being ready to go out there and play ball well along those lines was it tough to watch the Pro Bowl last week and I don't know if you watched it, I did but, not watch it but I did to not see, watch it. see some of your guys down there knowing you had a really good case to be down there I mean does that provide extra motivation most definitely most definitely you know um um I see stuff like that you know and I definitely for me for myself you know I jot down a little stuff like that you know so again I mean it's not anything that you know is is like a for sure like uh what I want to accomplish you know I think there's other things I want to accomplish but you know things like that for sure you know when you when you get in these pre, uh, off-season workouts in you definitely you know those things come to mind for sure I didn't watch the Pro Bowl either I, yeah, I didn't <laughs> I haven't watched the Pro Bowl for a few years now <laughs> yeah same thing here Alan Robinson it's great to see you thanks for stopping thank by. you I appreciate it thanks for having me you know what struck me about this conversation is how much, like you guys talked a lot about the injuries, but he really didn't want to like use it as a, a crux for, for the season. It's, it's a great excuse to have. You know, there, there were times where I thought maybe talk about the quarterback a, a little bit more. You know, everybody's to, to, to blame for the regression, and you cannot forget what happened with Trubisky this year. But, you know, the Trey Burton stuff, the, the injury stuff, I mean, he mentioned a lot of names. He just didn't want to seem to use it as an excuse. And you like to hear that, but it's it's the reality sometimes. Yeah, and and I and, and look, that's 
that's where it gets tricky because the injuries absolutely were a problem. Um, I tried to get him to go a little bit deeper on the tight end because he brought up the tight ends on his own. And it, it's such, such a big theme in this game on Sunday when you see Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. And I keep saying this, but it's true. You know, the, the Chiefs are essentially running the offense that Matt Nagy wants to run here in Chicago where the 49ers are running the offense that might fit Mitchell Trubisky a little bit better, where he could have a little bit more success with all those running schemes involved. But both teams have these dynamic tight ends that are helping the quarterback identify coverages before the snap because it's so hard to stop a tight end that is a freak of nature, that can can run routes like a wide receiver but has the size. Uh, Someone said it the other day. uh, what did he say? You know what beats small speed, bigger speed? Like a guy who's bigger <laughs> and, and can also run. You can't stop yes. that. And that's what these tight ends are in this game on Sunday. And you know, Trey Burton's not those guys, but he was closer to one of those guys than what the Bears had this year. So, you know, I agree with Allen Robinson when he's crediting J.P. Holtz and Jesper Horstead and those guys for what they gave the Bears this year. But... They're not the type of guys that before the snap, the opposing defense really gives a damn about where they're lining up. You know what I mean? And that when you hear Nagy talk over and over again about the adjusters in the offense, what he's talking about is helping the quarterback identify coverages pre-snap. So it's not so much excuses when you bring up these injuries or, you know, making excuses for Trubisky because he doesn't have those guys. But it's part of the offense. It's part of what Trubisky needs to be successful. So you heard Robinson kind of hint at it, but he didn't want to dog his own teammates. Um, he knows that those tight ends aren't Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. And if they can get one of those guys, whether it's in the draft or in free agency or just having Trey Burton back on the field will help, uh, you know, life's going to be easier for the offense. Yeah, more often than not. The tight end and what Nagy wants to run, again, right off the read tree, is the first or second read. It helps the quarterback immensely. And they try to do different things with that being Allen Robinson more in the slot. It, it, they tried doing different things with, with three Cohen moving around a little bit and having him be that adjuster. It just it just isn't the same as having a tight end, you know. I was watching this thing. I forget. Was, I think it was on ESPN. They were having uh, it was Rob Gronkowski. Shannon Sharp and Tony Gonzalez having like lunch together and, and talking about tight ends. And Rob Gankowski goes on like on this rant about how it's just a matchup problem and how the best tight ends like your Kittles and your Kelseys are matchup problems, right? Like if he's on a smaller guy, you know, he may not be faster than him, but he's going to use his body to gain separation. If he's on a bigger guy like a linebacker or something, he's going to use his own speed to create separation and use be the advantage again. The Bears just never had it. Even like you can you can even argue that Trey Burton really isn't even is that, but he's better than what they have. That tight end spot must be fixed in the offseason. We, we've been ranting and raving about that for a long time. But yeah, this game with George Kittle, with Travis Kelsey is just a perfect, perfect example of why that position needs to be upgraded this offseason for the Bears. And quickly, you hear uh, Robinson talk about the contract situation. So, I mean, basically the update there is that so far there hasn't been much movement. Um, I'll have a little bit more of this in my 10 Bears things too, but I'm starting to wonder, Johnsy, if Robinson might become this year's late August, early September extension guy. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Remember the debate between sending him or Sammy Watkins? It looks like Samuel Watkins, according to the buzz, is going to be released by the Chiefs after this mm-hmm. year. I think Robinson was was as productive this year as Samuel Watkins has been over two years with the Chiefs. And, and I know Watkins is part of a better offense there with Hill, with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But just in terms of getting the bang for your buck, the Bears are right in signing out Robinson. Yeah, and to be clear, I, I, I mean, that's because Watkins is due a lot of money and he'll probably get paid. Um, by somebody else, so he'll he'll be making his money. But yeah, Robinson, what he's been to this team the last two years, on and off the field, um, I just can't see the Bears letting him get away. Uh, the uh, what the Ryan Pace is. We we talk about it every year. He, he has shown a history of liking to lock somebody up right before the season, 
And look, there's also a couple things here we got into a little bit, but the CBA right now is a question mark. How much money is going to be available? What this is all going to look like? Will the CBA get done before free agency? We don't know these questions. It's, there's a lot of unknowns. So I think the Bears identified Eddie Jackson as somebody they wanted to lock up right when the season was over, um, you know, for the long term. But it might be a while before Allen Robinson uh, gets that contract. I, you know, things can change, but. I'd be surprised if they don't get something done before the season. No, I just going into a contract year. Um, I don't know. That's just how I feel about it right now. And he wants to be here. That's Absolutely, number one thing. Yeah, he made that very you know, clear. He has not changed his mind. Hey, um, do you want to go through our Super Bowl picks quickly? Spend a minute on that before we get out of here. Well, do we want to save that for Sunday though? Ooh, okay, okay. I don't Good know idea. if I'm ready Good to idea. make a pick. You don't want to make a pick? I think we might know? have to make our listeners, you know, how about this? Tease I'll them a little you, bit. I'll give you my pick because it's already published on the Athletic. Okay, you, you do that right now. Okay, we'll save yours as a surprise for Sunday. Fair enough. Here's here's my quick thing. I like the Chiefs twenty nine twenty seven. I feel like the 49ers are the more complete team, but this isn't like the the, the rematch of the the. Uh, this isn't a rematch of the Broncos. And the Seahawks from a few years ago where the Seahawks completely routed the Broncos. I I just feel like there is more to Patrick Mahomes, more to the Chiefs. Like, they really want to win this one for Andy Reid. With all due respect to John Fox, did not have that same dynamic a few years ago. Patrick Mahomes is special. You got Travis Kelsey. That defense is underrated as well. I think they get after Garoppolo and put him in bad situations. I like the Chiefs. I like Mahomes making more plays. Uh, down the line, I like Andy Reid celebrating in Hawaiian shirts. Give me the Chiefs 29-27. There it is. All I'll say right now, I'm kind of leaning the other direction. Ooh. Well, let's debate on Sunday, my friend. I'll give you the official prediction on Sunday. We'll break it down more. I'll tell you why I'm leaning the other way right now. We'll see if it changes over the next 48 hours or so. 1 to 5 on Sunday on 720 WGN. I'm sure we'll podcast the show too, but it is a pregame show, so I don't know (laughs) what... There might be some value listening to it after the game, I guess, but um, it's probably something you're going to want to listen to live on 720 AM in the Chicagoland area or online, WGNRadio.com, the WGN Radio app. Tune in wherever you stream your radio stations. You should be able to find it. That's going to do it for us today. Hope you enjoyed the content from Miami. We're going to have more. There's other things that we haven't used yet um, that will be on Sunday's show, including a conversation with Patrick Mahomes' agent, Lee Steinberg. You'll have that uh, on Sunday's show. So we'll have a ton for you, and I'm really looking forward to it. Good to be back, man. All right, follow us on Twitter. And read us. Do it. We'll talk to you on Sunday. See ya. Oh, man, we just both need a cheeseburger.